You are listening to the Talking Tough Podcast, the world's toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. Their stories of triumph, their falls from grace, and their climb back to the top, to life. This is Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough on the Podcast One Network. Hi, everybody. It's Rick Bassman here for a very special edition of Three-Way Dance on Talking Tough. Um, I've uh, yeah, People who watch the show know a few things about us at this point. One is that I am a huge comic book fan, um, mainly DC, uh, which I know is the unpopular choice. Most people like Marvel. I was talking with uh, Rob Van Dam about this uh, just yesterday or this morning. It's been a crazy day, which we'll get to in a second. Um, my favorite comic book was The Brave and the Bold. And that's when DC would take these like seemingly random pairing like uh, like Dead Man and uh, Elongated Man or, or the Atom and the Green Arrow and they would pair them up. And I always loved to see each month who the new pairing was gonna be. So we do our best to do that here on Three Way Dance. And it's invariably, if not always, um, one iconic figure from the mixed martial arts world and a legendary figure from the pro wrestling world. And we, we do have that today. Uh, you guys know who's on. You've seen the post. It, it's Rob Van Dam and West Cabbage Korea, and I'll, I'll bring them on in a couple of minutes. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to comment on first. Uh, John Pozorowski, John Paz of Two Man Power Trip, is going to be joining us live today, which I'm very grateful for, for a couple of reasons. One, John knows more i should say john has forgotten more than i'll ever know about the pro wrestling and mixed martial arts worlds so he's going to help to carry this conversation today uh because i'm in a pretty out of it sort of space we 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 all have these days or weeks or months when it rains it pours as we say and i'm not going to get into it because none of us have to promote our poor me stories or whatnot other than to say you always hear me talk about my dogs you all know that Ramon passed just a few months ago, and now Gogo, the other love of my life, is in bad shape. And it's been, um, I've been on vigil with her for about a week now, and it's challenging to say the least. So I'm in a bit of a weird headspace, which I, I think might forgive the following. So, you know, I'm talking tough that we avoid politics at all costs. And, you know, if, it's pr- if I'm proud of anything other than taking care of my dogs, It's, I believe, a statement that I can factually make, which is nobody, not that anybody would care, but nobody knows if I'm left or right or blue or red or Democrat or Republican or conservative or liberal, whatever you want to call it. But man, one thing I do want to talk about today, not getting into politics, but how we handle the way people are treating the other side in these days. It's driving me really, really crazy this week. And it's having a big personal effect on me. Today's 9-11, you know, and I know we're, we're all in remembrance of, of the people that died on this day and what it's meant to this country and the world and all of us. I hate to say, I'm going to probably sound really not cool when I say this, but when it went down live, I remember watching it and saying, this is awful, obviously, but I didn't, I didn't feel anything. And I'm sad to say that. These days, with all the divisiveness in this country, I'm feeling it more than ever. And, you know, in, in, the, in the words, uh, the, the, the immortal words or words we should forget, whichever of Rodney King, why the F can't we all just get along? To me, it's, it's becoming a little too much. The two gentlemen that are on today, uh, they, they have both have reputations and largely deserved, I think, of being like really cool, mellow guys. So... God love Andrew Bernarski, and I do love Andrew Bernarski, um, but wouldn't be the day to have someone like Andrew on who's going to get up our you-know-whats with opinions and rhetoric and divisiveness. So I'm hoping a bit that today a bit the opposite is true. We have guys on who are legends and icons in their particular spaces. I know you know them. John, I, I know you're excited about this. We spoke about it. Um, Rachel, our other producer, I know that the wrestling and fighting world is new to you. I, I dying to talk with you afterwards to hear what you think about getting to know two guys who I've known for a long time, who don't know each other, which always makes this fun. Joining us today on Talking Tough, the iconic and legendary from the mixed martial arts space, UFC on down, 
West Cabbage Korea, and the equally legendary and iconic Rob Van Dam. Guys, very, ha very happy to welcome you here on Talking Tough. Thank you, thank you. Happy Friday, Rick. Hey, Rob, how you doing, buddy? Long time no see, guys, both of you. Yeah, true that, true that. Hey, did DC really have a character named Elongated Man? Oh, right, that was, that was like their, their version of um, Mr. Fantastic, yeah? Yeah, Wes knows Elongated Man. See? But, uh, and they have Plastic Man? Or yeah, they have Plastic Man, too. Yeah. Wow. All right, Wes, you, you know this stuff. All right, now I'm going to bore everybody. Do you remember the, the yeah. real name of the Elongated Man? Ralph Dibney. Who cares, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was a good one, Rob. Um, yeah, for to those of you out there, Rob um, owned a very successful comic book shop back no, in the day. It wasn't very successful. Well, it depends on what perspective you take. It was perspective in the angle that it brought a lot of joy to some fans. A lot of programmers uh, and get pictures taken with them. But on the business sense, it was not successful. It burned a big hole in my pocket for, I don't know, two and a half years or so. And then I finally pulled the plug. Yeah, things aren't always as they appear to be on the face of things, are they? Especially in business. Well, I was a baby. I mean, I, I honestly, Rick, uh, I look at, I look at until just a few years ago. Everything prior, um, I had like, a, I feel like I had a mindset, like a mindset of a child. I feel like I, I got uh, divorced, and then I kind uh, all of a sudden my priorities changed. It was like comic books and uh, all my action figures and stuff that I carried around my whole life. I was like, you know what? When I, when I, when I, I you know, get rid of the house, start a whole new life. My orders were so different. It was like, I didn't care about certain shit uh, as much anymore. And um, that was part of it. I don't remember what I was talking about. So did, did you get rid of your action figures? That's what I need to know. Yeah, um, I kept some of the ones that are, you know, real important to I had two um, display cases full of Ghost Rider shit. Every stat, everything trademark on it. Every statue that you've never seen figure. And I had every cameo that he did in any comic book. Even if he was in, in on a TV screen in the background of a Fantastic Four, number 474, I put it down and shit. So oh, that's it was cool. cool. Yeah. But um, I don't like follow it that much anymore. Um, the uh, the whole thing. I, I love that stuff. I never got into it myself. Um, I have, I only own, I've only ever owned one action figure, and there it is, right there. And uh, nice, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Nice. And Wes, where where can yep. we get a cabbage action figure, man? Did they make one? Um, only back in like the, the early '90s, the Cabbage Patch Kids. <laughs> there you go. That was modeled after you. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Hey, nice. Right. Hey, right. hey, Rick. I um, when I said that um, that my perspective, you know, was uh, was young. I I wasn't referring to the way that I liked comic books or action figures. I'm referring to the way that I handled my business. Like uh, I went, yeah, oh, I figured I was just or like an idiot, you know, like and and even even my time in WWE. When I think back to it. I really felt like, uh, I don't know, like I was, you know, they say when you're a kid that gets into the entertainment business, you stop growing up at that age. Yep. I, think, I think that happened to me right out of high school. I felt I had this high schooler state of just recently. <laughs> Always yeah, you know, better, I figured you were talking about perspective. And, and okay. I think, you know, I think a subject of growing up would actually be a good, good one for us to, to tackle these days. So, you know, we hear from so many people that just feel like stuck in their lives growing, right now. Growing up, who talks about growing up? I just hunted down this at a store. I just had to hunt down this G.I. Joe figure at a store. <laughs> <laughs> right right on who, cue, man, right on cue. Who, ha well, who, has, who has time to grow up? Uh, Wes, if anything, you're like, you're like growing down, man. I could, everybody, I told Wes when he first came on, we were talking for a minute or two. Yeah, I can't, I don't recognize you. You have lost so much weight you look like a different person so you're obviously you're taking care of yourself right that's a good sign of growing up i would dare say right definitely i, I wish I, I wish i would have learned this stuff earlier in my career i think i would have i would have done something better you know what i mean <laughs> what did well, you learn 
What did you learn though about matching your diet to your blood type? That sounds fascinating. Um, I, I learned that my, my blood type, A positive, you have a hard time breaking down red meat. So with me, my proteins come from chicken, turkey, and fish. And then I have to eat a pineapple enzyme to help get that same enzyme that the has to help me break down my food. But wow. so what, what I did research in when we started doing that is people with Asian blood, like true genealogy, they have um, some kind of allergic reaction to milk. I mean, it won't cause them to get hives or anything, but because back in the days, they only used to drink it when they used to milk the cow. They never refrigerated it, drank it for breakfast, you know, lunch, you know, had it like four times a day, five times a day, drank it with cookies and milk. So a lot of Asian people have a lot underlying dairy uh, allergy that they don't really know about. So you've, you've like broken it down in, into science. So here, here, here's a question I want to ask you. So there are so many people stuck at home right now. We all know why. And I keep hearing and reading things about how people are just eating like crazy, gaining a lot of weight, getting out of shape. Wouldn't this be like a good time to reverse that trend? It would, but what a lot of people are doing is they're just stress eating because they're so stressed at staying at home. You know, that's the only way they can find comfort in themselves is by stuffing their face with some Twinkies or a, a tub of ice cream, you know? All right. When in actuality, if, if they would get up and try and do something, I mean, you can't even get up. Some people's houses are too small to exercise in, you know, but if they could, if they could have a, a reason or a way to get out and exercise, a lot of these people wouldn't be just staying home and just getting fat, you know? So you guys and, and Rob, if you would if you would chime in on this also. So let's say there's you know however many people out there are watching this right now, and they're stuffing their face with Twinkies. What's something they could do? You know, Rob, you've kept your you've kept your physique all the years I've known you more than twenty years now. I don't think you've gained a pound. Um, you know I still weigh the same. I've always weighed. So we're all three of us are doing pretty good. What could you guys tell somebody out there that's stuffing their face and getting fat? that they can start doing tomorrow to turn that around? I think uh, I think one important thing is the mindset, you know? And uh, they really have to have a reason to do it. Like right now, with the pandemic, people are quarantined. It seems like there's no reason, no rhyme or reason for anything. If you don't have a job or anything, it doesn't matter what time you go to bed. It doesn't matter if you don't get dressed or shower for days. Uh, but if you if you really think about the mindset uh, of why you know um, why you want to focus on your uh, your health because that's what it is it's not it's not just about the look but it's inside you too you know people sitting around maybe they think well it doesn't matter I can I got time to you know to put on some pounds I'll work on it later but you, yeah you know I mean your your heart suffers from it you know you got to people are keeping track of their blood pressure and their heart rate and stuff like that really the mindset like find a reason but like to be healthier you know for us it's our job we have to keep working out so that we can do our job um mm -hmm. you know it's it's really part sometimes i hate it but i don't want to die in the ring from <laughs> Um, but sometimes, you know, just being around and being healthy for your family uh, or even just you, just because if nothing else, the benefits of feeling good when you work out, it releases those endorphins in your brain. You feel good. That happens every single time. Yeah. You know, and that's that's really worth like that's worth taking home. You know, I, I get up at seven each day. I have an hour practice I do in the morning, a little bit of exercise, a lot of like internal motivation or meditation. It's a little different every day, but I can tell you, I do that religiously now. I will not look at my email, my text messages, my Facebook, any of that until that's done. And you know, I'm not trying to put myself over, as we say in the wrestling world. It's, it's more that before I was doing that, I think I was going the route of what we hear is so prevalent now, which is all this shuttered depression. So, you know, Wes, you mentioned there's people don't have space in their homes. You know, a mutual friend of myself and Rob, uh, Diamond yeah. Dallas Page, and this is not an infomercial for DDP yoga, but <laughs> it's, it's a practice that I do. And yes. you can do it on your TV screen. If people are watching us right now, it means they have an internet connection. Yeah. So they could get DDP yoga or any other number of programs and stand in front of their TV. It doesn't take any more than four or five, six feet around them. 
and do something. Look, you, you don't have a fight book right no, now. I, you... I mean, like, everybody will have an excuse on why they cannot do it. My, the best thing, like how Rob said, you know, look at your kids. You want to be there for your kids to graduate? Learn healthy eating habits. Learn better, better, better things to take care of your health. You know what I mean? Look at your kids. If you want to be there for graduation, you want to see their grandkids. Start eating healthy. All right. So, how old? How old are you now? Do you mind saying, Wes? I'm forty. You're, okay, you're forty. Yeah. And again, uh, you you look amazing. I still can't recognize you. I'm shocked how different you look. Um, Thank you. You, Thank you. you. You do not have a fight book coming up right now, right? No, I was talking to Bare Knuckle, but because of all this COVID stuff, like they put it on hold. Okay, so you don't have a fight coming up. Rob is working regularly. So Rob, as you mentioned, has a professional reason to look the way he looks. I'm sure, Rob, you would you would keep in shape otherwise, but you do have well, that motivation. I like, to, I, like to, I like to think so, but a lot of times it really, really is like it uh, feels like part of just a job, especially if my body's hurt, you know, because I'm – over the years, I beat myself up pretty good. So I'm, you know, I got, uh, I got pains that kind of change from one one body part to the other and float around and uh, things like that. And uh, sometimes that gets in the way of really enjoying working out because my body hurts, you know, and and I don't, you know, want to work out. And sometimes it's just like, oh, but I have to do it, you know. And um, so sometimes I do, you know, think if I totally didn't have if I wasn't wrestling, sometimes I do think, well, then I wouldn't have to work out. But you're right. I would still do it. I don't know. I don't know what would push me, but something would. I want you, to be you, yeah, I, I know. I, I know you would. Yeah. And, and Wes, so yes. last, last word on this subject, then we'll move on to, to something different. You're yeah. 40 years old. You do not have a fight coming up. So you, this is a choice you have made to change, to change your look, to change your physicality. Congrats. You have 30 you. seconds, as we say in the rest of the world, to cut a promo to preach. What can you tell people that they can start doing to better their day tomorrow? Better day tomorrow. Just start off by taking a few steps, you know, start walking, looking to kind of eat to your blood type. It's super simple to do. You know, I, I lost like 100 pounds in less than like four or five months and it just came off of me. And now when I try to even eat red meat, I can't even stand to eat it. All you know, right. That's that's a good thing. Oops. Uh oh. Oh, there you're back. Are you? We lost you for a second, West. That way, that way, when it does happen, when you do be able to to go inside there, it you know what to do already. You know you're already one foot in the door with already eat, changing your eating habits. And another thing is, um, another way they can start changing their eating habits instead of eating three big meals a day, eat six smaller meals. Yeah. Yep. And and drink at least a gallon of water a day. So that way your metabolism is never stopped. You know, your metabolism is always going, so it never stops. And these are all simple things anybody could do. So thank yeah, you. Like, like, you know, if somebody told you to drink eight glasses of water, you'd give a hard time to drink eight glasses of water. But if somebody told you to drink four or five beers, you know what I mean? <laughs> the beers would go down way quicker than the water, you know? Oh, yeah. Or eight or eight beers, right? right. Yeah, exactly. So, guys, I mentioned I don't really don't like doing politics or you know get, getting into confrontational stuff here on Talking Talk. Um, but who, guys, who do you think would win in a tag team MMA match? Cabbage Korea and uh, and Joe Biden versus Rob Van Dam and Donald Trump. I'm just kidding, man. No, fuck that. I'd rather team up with Rob Van Dam and fuck both of them up. Ah, that's the right answer. <laughs> yes oh. love it thank you thank you hey rick um, rick to add you know like step uh, what somebody can take to do steps in the right direction um i i actually i don't know if you i have a movie a documentary on amazon called headstrong and it's really personal i take you through some uh uh some of my deeper darker moments like right when i started filming this well i talk about concussions sure. I through the whole fucking movie, actually, uh, thinking back to it now. And, uh, and and it wasn't supposed to be about that, but the movie became about that. But also, I just a few months, you know, kind of dug myself out of this hole where um, I was really down because uh, the, the marriage collapsed and then my dog died and then my dad died. And I was like, um, man, sometimes, like, so I, 
I can relate to people when it comes to depression. Most don't know. And when when I have the the right uh, platform or whatever, you know, I'll talk a lot more about it. But, but I know people that have depression, they, they have people all the time just say, you know, well, what do you have to be depressed about? And they don't understand. Uh, a lot of it really is brain chemistry and hereditary. <laughs> and, um, and a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it you can choose. You can choose what you think about. But still, uh, you know, a lot of people... Um, I mean, meds, meds are, are, are some people actually do meds for their mm-hmm. brain. And either way, uh, what I was going to get to, though, is even though uh, even though I knew, you know, I'm always going to be fucking show. I get love everywhere I go. I, I know everything's always going to be cool, but I still couldn't get out of this funk where I was in, where nothing seemed to matter. And a friend of mine, you know, was saying, you know, just one day at a time. And I remember thinking, like, I can't even think to the end of the day. I was drinking a lot at that time, you know, and I was, like, just trying to kill all my thoughts. And and then a friend of mine, I'll always remember this, it helped me. Uh, He said, sometimes we have to do uh, one moment at a time. And that's what got me out. I was like, well, I can enjoy moments. I can't, you know, make myself feel overall i can't convince myself that i'm that i'm happy that i can enjoy moments and then and then it was just like really getting into the moment and living in the moment that helped me so much doing things that i did like and really enjoying that moment and then uh the more the more you live in the moment the more the moment becomes your life which we're really that's right man so so true rob thank you for that man and we definitely can get a little more into that today that's what this is all about for sure I want to go back just for one moment. You mentioned Headstrong. How how would we see Headstrong? It's on Amazon. Uh, there's also a DVD that you can get through Target and Walmart and stuff. But uh, on Amazon is, is the best way. The uh, premise was going to – sometimes I do stand-up comedy. Uh, we, had, we had a week lined up. I was going to be on the road doing stand-up comedy for like seven – nights and the idea was we'll bring the camera film the road trip but i showed up concussed and at first i wanted to ignore it and just get on with the plans but my symptoms didn't go away so the uh the symptoms overtook the agenda of the movie and my life and so afterwards i had to follow up with neurologists and and i ended up learning so much more about cte and about concussions more than I ever thought that I wanted to know. But now, now I want to share that information because it's the kind of stuff that people don't talk about. And I didn't either. I never told anybody when I was hurt my whole career, if I was not silly or something, I wouldn't tell anybody if I wanted to keep working. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was all on me. Uh, but now, now the cat's out of the bag. Hey, guess what? <laughs> I had hundreds of concussions and it uh, turns out there, there could be a price to pay for it. So I want to I want to uh, keep the conversation going, help spread awareness, so we can spread the education, uh, so we can learn how to deal with it. Because um, we've I've lost a lot of friends to suicide or over, drug overdoses. They always lead it back to uh, depression from. Mm-hmm. That was the whole motivation with why I opened up my CBD line because I believe that uh, CBDs or CBG or some some cannabinoid you know holds a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, um, potential that we'll be able to use in a I have our yeah. which is doing great helping people which is amazing um, but I have yet to get that that neurotropin uh, brain formula that's always going to be my goal until I have it and then when I do have it I'm going to always want to improve it and make it better as we learn Man, you sound like you're in a really good, positive place these days, man. It's, it's, it's like it's so nice to have somebody on and, and to see that, especially someone that, that struggled. Uh, that you mentioned, like you mentioned almost casually in one sentence, got divorced, you lost your dad, you lost your dog. How, how dark, and I don't want to dwell on this, but it's to make a point for people out there. Like on a scale of one to ten, how dark and depressing did it get for you at one point? With ten being the darkest? Yes. Uh, probably an eight. That's pretty high, man. That's de- that's debilitating for sure. 
Yeah. And, and you made choices, like you said, living in the moment. You like you can't well, always can't help what we think, as you said, but oftentimes we can. And uh, you know, I don't I don't know how you did it, how you got yourself out of it step by step. But man, I'm really glad to uh, to see that you are where you are right now. That's fantastic, Rob. Yeah, thank you. You know, I, it's it's great. Like I, for me, the longer I'm alive, the better life gets. You know, when I. The, the whole thing with the marriage, you know, I was trained and I told myself that it was a failure, but I'm so glad now that I was released from that because it's so much better now. Where I thought I was happy before, now I know I was content. I really hadn't experienced um, what I needed to experience out of life. Like every everything is, just, I just feel like I'm so much more doing with life, so much wiser, not, not as held back, you know. Um, it was, just, I was, I was married to a very insecure person and, uh, the kind that like, if, if, uh, if I looked in the direction of another good looking girl, we were fighting, you know, mm-hmm. what do you, oh my God, it was like that. And a lot of people can relate to that, but, um, being, not being in that anymore. Cause that was like too big of a part of it. I mean, it was really like, we really didn't fit as good. It's amazing. We lasted as long, but man, when, uh, um, just right when I when I met Katie, which you know there was a little there was a little time in between, you know, where I was enjoying a lot of moments. Um, but when I when I was uh, with Katie, it was just like uh, like the first date out, you know. I just like I just treated it like I'd known her for a long time. I was just so into the moment. I was just like, you know, whatever you want to do, you're the boss. And I was just like so happy because I wasn't worrying about the rest of the day or the rest of the night or. You know, I, I, I didn't worry about how I was going to drive home, <laughs> but it was really just I learned to just really live in the moment and to realize when it's a really good moment. Like, wait, hold on a second, dude. This is a really awesome moment. I want it to just last as long as it can. And eventually those really good moments took up all the time and filled up the space. So there wasn't room for the bad moments. Man, you know, it's like it, it's so it's so nice to, to hear this. And, you know, people. I've heard people say oftentimes that, oh, live in the moment, that's a cliche, but it's so, it's so not cliche. And you know, what, what's worked for me a lot, and I have a long ways to go tell them there or wherever there is, and who knows if we'll ever get there to Nirvana or whatever it is. But I know that no matter what's going on, the, the more I could be grateful, gratitude practice for something happening now, and you can always find it no matter what's happening. You're talking about reprogramming your brain, man. That's what that does. And some, some people do need, need meds, you know, um, my, I'm the only one in my family that didn't take meds. My, my mom, my dad, my brother and my sister all took Prozac or Zoloft. And I was the only one that didn't, uh, but I've been smoking weed since I was one. I figured maybe I was medic self-medicating or whatever, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but dude, so- I got, I got to a point Rick where I was, I, I needed help up. I was so far down. That, like I would just burst into, I would just start crying, and I wouldn't even know it was coming. I'd be talking to someone, start crying, mention my dog or something, just start crying, and, I, and then I couldn't stop, and it was horrible. And um, I got on some meds, and holy shit! All of a sudden, I got whole life. I could talk about stuff that I never was able to talk. About. And I just wonder, you know, if I had the balance younger, earlier in life, you know, how much different things would have been. You know, choices would have. been made from a different perspective. It's like, I, you know, it was really, really, really hard to do to admit to myself, you know, the, uh, to physically, literally pick up that phone, very difficult. And so now I know that people, I know what it's like for people that don't want to say that they don't want to get help or, or they listen to, they think that there's something wrong with them because they should just be able to kick out on their own. Sometimes you need help. Wes, it- I'm sure there's nothing in what Rob's saying that that you can relate to, right? Smoking a little reefer, maybe. Um, maybe, that, maybe women who are possessive. We would never find that in Hawaii. What? <laughs> no, you got a lot of them over here. I know, man. Believe me. Who is that? Who is that? You just didn't tell hi to. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Yeah, that was so... But And then I would get offended by it because I was being... I was actually... Uh, being faithful and being honest, you know, like the entire yeah. time, even though it wasn't returned, you know, and then things like that would, they would bother me more than they should. Cause it wasn't just, she thinks I'm looking at that 
girl. It was like, she doesn't even know that I, what, you know, what she has here. And she thinks that she doesn't trust me. And oh my God. Assuming and everything. And it just makes it worse. Yeah. So much unnecessary stress. So, Wes, I, w- I want to ask you, man. Yes, um, sir. You know, ev- people, I think, regard cabbage as this like happy go lucky guy. That's always been my impression of you. And yeah. we reconnected on the phone not long ago. And one thing I take away from every time we talk, and I never told you this. It's like, wow, this guy is always upbeat and positive. That's one reason, like, when I see your name come up in caller ID, I always want to answer the phone. There's some people you see come up, and you're like, I just, I'm not up for that today, right? You're like, um, I don't want to talk to this negative Nancy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, dude, is that is that your nature, or or has there been, uh, have there been deep, dark times for Cabbage also? I've had some deep, dark times, but I, I mean, I've always been like this. I've always been the one to try and give as much. Like I told people before, my bridge is made out of iron. Like it's hard to burn this fucker down. Sorry for swearing. But That's right. It's, it's, it's hard to burn it down. You know what I mean? If, if you if you burn me, I'll give you many chances. You know what I mean? I, I just have a really big heart. Aloha. I have a, just a really big heart and just it just really doesn't. It doesn't phase me. Like to me, I'll give people a lot of chances because, like I said, my bridge is made out of steel. It's, it's easy to rebuild steel because you still got the structure, you know. That's okay. So co- coming from that place and that attitude, and this is the question for both of you guys. Yes. For all the crazy, I, I know what we do in our worlds. We're all we're all on uh, social media at least a little bit, and it's pretty impossible to avoid these days people with really strong opinions in one direction yeah. or the other hating on people that don't agree. It, is that bothering you guys at all? Or is it just roll off your shoulders? I'm, I'm really curious for two guys that have it together, that mentally seem strong, emotionally seem strong. How do you look at that? Um, with me, I just, I just play it off like a leaf in the river. You know what I mean? When people start hitting me with that thing, I'm like, you know how when you see that leaf in the river just floating down, doesn't care in the currents. Hey, I'll go in the tide pool for a little bit. You know what I mean? And it'll kick me back out and I'll, go, I'll continue my way down the river. You know, sometimes I just, I don't let it bother me. I don't let it phase my, my character or anything's going on in my day. You know, I just don't have time for that kind of people. Or that kind of that kind of things just going on. It's just been so positive, and it's just good to be positive, you know. Okay. People, people that people they get angry fast. Hey, smoke a joint. Take some, <laughs> take some of Rob's CBDs. Oh, yeah. that that that's advice. So you know what? I'm gonna actually I'm gonna ask you guys now personally for advice because you know I'm I'm quite a bit older than both you guys. I like to think of myself. Was pretty involved in my thinking and emotionally and intellectually, but I have to admit, the the fighting amongst people is bothering me. So, what what can I do? What what could you guys advise me to do to not be so bothered about what's happening out there? I it alarms me that people are so ignorant. It does, and and in my mind, it just distances me from them. And I and I and I think. Oh, that's right. That's what, like, the status quo, that's how ignorant they are. And it just makes, it, it furthers my um, my certainty and my own values, you know, makes me realize, like, how much more I prefer the way that I live. Uh, because, um, it, but, I, but I don't let it bother me to an extent to where um it's actually going to bleed over into my enjoyment of life there's nothing nothing you can do about it except for debate mm-hmm. enjoy that but the thing is and it's it's definitely like that like you were saying with politics it's it's any anything like that the, what they're saying is the just the thought that one side has unshakable certainty that they're right and that the other person is wrong that alone is just you know that alone if you just think about it then yeah that can just bother the hell out of you because they're so ignorant but you only you got to choose what you give a fuck about you can't give a fuck about everything so you have to really really think about it because uh once you give your thoughts it, it works for you and against you are you out there? Dude, you, John, you know how much of this is bothering me. That was really good advice. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate yep. that, man. 
That was yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. You only have so many fucks to give, you know. So you got right. Like another one, I just I just learned is time is not given. You know what I mean? Not time is not guaranteed. You gotta make use. You gotta make use in everything of what you got right now. And these stuff that to think I know. It's always good to to hear it reinforced by people I, that are living it. That that is awesome. Thank you. I think just I think just you realizing how ignorant people are is enough. Like if it bothers you. They're not treading on you. You want everyone else to notice it too, maybe. But it's okay to it's okay to think, wow, uh, my values really are the best. Because really, when you think about it, all of us do believe our values are the best because they're designed for us. They work best for us, and that's why we get into arguments because we can't understand why other people think differently than us, but they don't have the exact same values or priorities or whatever. So. You know, the conflicts are, are ridiculous when you just realize that it's about it's about your values. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, what are you going to be bothered about? What are you what are you going to be able to do about it? You know, unless you want to go kick some people's asses. Rick. <laughs> Is that what you're thinking about doing? Like these are, they treat each other. Bad. No, absolutely. I, like, I like to avoid that. So that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. Thank blog, you. Blog um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. If you can't, if you can't just let the alarm, if you can't just use the alarm to make it better, then maybe blog about them, and I'll, I'll comment. <laughs> uh, I'll stay away from that. But up till that point, Rob, I loved all of it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to. I'm going to lighten it up and get into some MMA and pro wrestling stuff for a moment here, and. I would like to uh, invite on uh, my producer and our resident expert, John Paz from the two-man power trip. Um, so, Wes, mixed martial arts, man. You're, you're an icon. You're, you're a legend. You may or may not remember this. I've actually been across the cage from you twice. Once when, uh, once when I brought Butterbean to fight you, another time when I brought Tank Abbott to fight you. And... You know, and I always remember, you know, my impressions of you, such a nice guy. I mean, you're obviously you're out there to, to win and do damage, as they say. Um, but not only just nice to everybody around you, that it included Tank, it included Butterbean. But what, what I want to know is, wh what does it take to stand the page from a guy like Tank Abbott or Butterbean and go, hey, I'm just here to fight? What, what's, what's the mentality that it takes to get to that place? Um, just a lot of discipline, I guess. Like, I, I was never one to be out there trying to cause trouble or anything growing up. Like, so when I first took up MMA, I was like, oh, damn, I used to do jujitsu tournaments and get super nervous, but my first MMA fight was like a walk in the park, you know? So I knew, oh, I knew maybe this is what I'm here for, you know? So it was like, I don't know, it's, I, Never never had any problems with that. It's just part it's part of who you are. Yeah. Stage with Tank one night and he was there to fight Paul Bantello, who was literally screaming and throwing up in the dressing room next to us because he was all dead before every fight. So that that wasn't your experience though. It came natural to you. Is that, you got us, Wes? Can you hear us okay? Yeah, I can hear you guys. All right, very good, very good. Rob, you're a martial artist. Um, have you watched Cabbage before? Have you seen Cabbage fight? Um, <coughs> I think so, because there can only be one Cabbage, right? Didn't you sometimes have your hair? Right. Didn't you sometimes have your hair like different colors? Yeah, I had it dyed when I fought Tim Sylvia. I had it dyed all yeah. in colors for, for September 11th. I had it dyed. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've seen you, bro. Definitely kick ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hello. Oh, you froze, Rick. It was earlier. There was a waterfall right over there, so I had a hard time hearing, so I had to walk away from the falls. Oh, okay. Okay, John, are we all connected okay right now? Yeah, all good. You froze for a second, but all good. 
You had a really should have seen the look on you were frozen, Rick. You should have face. Yeah, I West, I'm up here. Um I'm in the upcountry of Maui, as we call it, Rob. And uh there there's only one um it's only one cable company on the entire island, and they don't service the area where I live. Wow. So we have to do everything off of a uh, hotspot up here. Wow. So it comes in, it comes out. But that's part of the beauty of, uh, you know, part of taking the bad with the good. I wouldn't trade right. out for anything. That's for sure. And, uh, Rob, you and I first met, I think it was about 2000. And you were, um, I think you were the first big outside star that ever performed in a UPW ring. Uh, later, we have the Road Warriors, of course, and Rod Piper and Antonio Inoki. I mean, some pretty big names. Um, I remember you came and did a match with uh, with Chris Daniels, and I'll, I'll never forget it because the ring broke. I don't know if you remember that or not, but the match previous to you and Chris, the ring broke. So the entire canvas and floor was literally like on a 30 degree angle. And <laughs> you guys worked like, you worked an amazing match around it. I couldn't believe it, it was pretty cool. Um, is this, but before that. It happens so often, I don't even remember it. <laughs> right, that was a first for us, but I remember, remember yeah. the match you guys pulled off, it was really cool. Prior yeah. to that, and, I, and I'm just saying this to, to all people that are out there, uh, at a UPW show, uh, we pulled out John. I think you'll appreciate this. We pulled out a really cool hat trick. We had our merchandise area where people would sign after the shows. And in this particular instance, we had Rob Van Dam, who was the ECW champion at that point. We had Ivory, who was a WWF champion at that point, for women, of course. And we had Sting, the WCW champion. I, Rob, I don't know if you remember that or not, but the three of you signed uh, side by side. And uh, I've got a photo of that somewhere still. If I find it, I'll have to send it. But uh, just thought I'd bring it up and say it's cool seeing you again 20 years later, man. Yeah, so. yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of a lot of talent came out of that UPW, huh? I mean, uh, besides uh, Cena, the prototype. But uh, um, let's see who else. Uh, well, shoot. Uh, now I'm thinking of the guy, the big dude that. Uh, He's dead. I can't remember what it, the big guy, but the, uh, I remember trying to work working out with these guys in the gym in the ring one time, and it was seen uh, Basil. Remember Basil? Bad boy Basil, who um who actually had a WWF development deal at one point, but he did pass from uh, from a heroin overdose, unfortunately. Yes, uh, um, yeah. did um, in Victoria? Did Victoria come from the area? Victoria, Chris Masters, John Heidenreich, Nathan yeah. Jones, The Miz, Luther Reigns. Uh, yeah, it's been been a pretty big. And then, of course, Sting and Warrior way back in the day. So, uh, yeah, pretty. You know, it's like I like to say, Rob, that, you know, it, this is worth. Uh, the, the, the record is this. We had 43 people, men and women, come out of UPW that went up to WWF slash WWE. Wow. So, That's a lot. <laughs> that, that's a record that it'll never ever be in the industry. But I always like to say, so it doesn't feel like I'm bragging, is that and four bucks will like buy you a medium latte at Starbucks, you know? <laughs> um, but it's it's been a good it's been a good list, that's for sure. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Definitely. So Wes, who's out there in the heavyweight division right now that would have been like a great night for cabbage? Fuck any one of these guys out there right now, even as right now as we speak, you know what I mean? I don't see that. I mean, not to take any anything away from the guys, but look, I could give them a run for the money, you know what I mean? Well, you're especially right now at this at this weight walking around, you know what I mean? I could put on a little bit of weight and I could give them all a run for their money. I could put mm -hmm. them all on notice, <laughs> but they gotta let me smoke herb though, because I got my medical uh, card. Yeah, I don't. Is that is that okay with the um? With, if you have your card, can you smoke herb and be cool fighting these days? Do you know? I'm, I'm not too sure. It all depends because um, so it's a state and like county law that it's legal. It's not federal yet. So it, unless right. the USADA is federal, they got to follow the state and county guidelines, you know. So 
I'm not putting myself out there as a, as a manager because I don't do that anymore. But let's say we were in touch with Sean Shelby and Dana White. And I, I'm working a deal with UFC now, so I'm pretty actively in touch with those guys. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, wow, look at Calvin. He looks great. He's 40, which is not old for the heavyweight division. You know yeah. Let's, uh, you know, let's put him in there with, you know, whomever it is to get restarted. Could you give up the, uh, could you give up the herb to do that? Oh, definitely. All right. I'm, I'm at All such right. a strong point. In, my mind is so strong at this point in my life that I could, I could quit anything. You know what I mean? I quit, I quit, I was addicted to opiates before I started smoking weed and taking CBDs. You know, I got, got into big trouble taking opiates, you know? Oh, dude, I'm sure, I'm sure Rob Van Dam and I have never heard about anybody having trouble with opiates before. Right. Never, oh. never in their life. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, uh, and then once I, once, I, once I turned on to my friend, um, Chris Taloa, who's from Hawaii, he turned me on to the CBD company, and that helped me actually kick my 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 pain pill habit that I had. Nice. Have you tried? Really? Him? What's tried, that? You tried Kratom? Uh, I, I tried Kratom I tried Kratom before, and Kratom never worked for me. That because you just tried the capsules, right? Yeah, I tried the capsules before. The capsules. I find the same thing. Capsules don't work. The powder, however, um, works great. Works fucking great. It tastes horrible, yeah. uh, but like it says, to take I think like maybe five grams, and I I take like twelve grams. That's a big bigger scoop that I use. It tastes horrible, but I, dude, it works. Like sometimes, like I'm so hurt, you know, that I'll that I'll uh, I'll, I'll take pain pills for a few days and. I, Am, but I'm hurt. I don't have to take any pain pills if I take Kratom. Uh, oh, nice. It really works, but the pills don't. I had to take 50 pills in order to feel well, like half a scoop. Uh, feels like. Yeah, those, those pills don't work at all. Like I tried that. Like I had these guys give me some at this at this shop here in Hawaii, and they're like, "Here, try this." I tried it, and I was like, "Yeah, this I is got not okay. powder." Rob, I'd like to I'd like to dive deeper into this with you, Rob. Um, I. I agree with you. Everything you've said, kratom capsules do not work. Kratom powder definitely works. Yeah. Here's my concern, though, man. I I had a bad go around with opiates myself, Wes, and I haven't taken. I've been to rehab twice, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, I haven't taken an opiate in about three and a half years now. I think I ever will again. Um, I've definitely had my share of experience with kratom. My concern, Rob, and I want to get your take on this, is that Kratom may be every bit as addictive as opiates. What do you think about that? Um, from my personal experience, uh, I don't find that to be the case. Um, it's, uh, I think that it's safer on you anyway. If you first, you know, first off, if you are going to be addicted to something, you know, it, I think it's better to have this this coffee plant, you know, as opposed yeah. to, as opposed to the hard uh, drug. We lost Rob for a moment here. There you are. Do you hear me? Shit. We got Am you back now. Yes. Okay. Marty Gennetti trying to call me and interrupt us. It's crazy. Um, um, oh my god. Uh, yeah. Marty called Marty called me last week. Yeah. And he left a voice message for me. Yeah. And I, I still I listened to it a couple of times. I still have no idea what it says. Um My, I like I like Marty, but wow. Yeah. I hope he's okay, man. Yeah, he's he is. He's I think he's just crazy. Um <laughs> what um oh but also Rich he's uh, I'll, yeah. from my personal experience, I've had where like I was taking Kratom like maybe uh, three or four times a day. And then if I wouldn't take it for a day, I would, I had this restlessness, you know, that's the most I've ever got, but I was mm -hmm. at nighttime. I'm trying to go to bed and my muscles just feel like, Oh, like I need to stretch. It's very uncomfortable. It releases some kind of a panic thing when I'm laying in bed doing that too. It's weird. But so I thought, so at first I was like, I thought, wow, it's just, so it's just like the Norcos. Um, but then uh, after experimenting with it a little bit longer, sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. And, and so sometimes 
sometimes I'll be taking creatine regularly and then I won't take it for a day because I feel good. So I don't need it. And, uh, and I'm like, I wonder why I didn't feel restless last night and I slept good. So, um, I find it to be inconsistent, inconsistent in that way. So better, better, okay. better odds that you're not going to suffer. I think. Well, worst case, it's lesser of the evils. Certainly no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, uh, John Paz, are you out there? I, if Rob and Wes, if you don't mind, John's always got some cool questions that pertain to uh, the fighting and wrestling world. And John, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, for, first, uh, at Cabbage, uh, Maverick Von Haug, the Soul Collector, is watching, and uh, he wanted me to say hello to you for him. Tell him what's up. How are you doing? Thanks for the support. Tell him, hey, Rick, tell, hello, tell him hello for me as well. Rob, you know you know Maverick? I know the Soul Collector, yes, sir. Right on, Mav. Well, hey, a lot of love from Cabbage, RVD, and me to you, my friend, as you're recovering. Talk about a talk about a guy who's been through the worst of the worst and always comes back around with a positive attitude. So hats off to you, Mav. John. Yes. Hey, buddy. Hey. So for uh, Cabbage, John just always kind of curious about, you know, your UFC run, not as yeah. many UFC fights, you know, as you would think, obviously you fought the, the creme of the creme, the Tank now? Abbott's, um, yeah. Tim Sylvia, Andre Orlovsky. So talk a little bit about your, your run um, in UFC. My run in the UFC, well, first it started with Tim Sylvia. I guess we were supposed to fight at a heavyweight tournament in Hawaii. I broke my hand, so I couldn't fight him. So Dana White was there. Then there was a fight organization that came to Oahu named, uh, I think it was Shonen. They made me fight Aaron Brink. At the time, Dana White guys were going to sign back Aaron Brink. They were, they were banking on Brink to smash me, you know. They are like, mm -hmm. ah, this young kid from Hawaii, you know. But then when TJ, the promoter of Super Bowl, he came to the gym and he seen me training. He was like, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? This kid is serious right now, you know. And so when I went in there, I fought Aaron Brink. I, I knocked him out in like the first 30 seconds of the first round. I, I gave him the ostrich punch. Like he straight hit his face in the mat like an ostrich. You know what I mean? After I hit him. <laughs> yep. And then I won that. Then Dana contacted me, asked me to fight Tim Sylvia. He said that was a fight that was supposed to happen in the heavyweight tournament. I fought him. Like I didn't even really train for that stuff. My management at the time really sucked. You know, they wouldn't give me, like, proper time. They would, they would be like, oh, we'll throw him in. Yeah, he's game to fight in two, three weeks' notice. You know what I mean? Let's throw him in. He's he's super down to fight. And, like, me being a young Portuguese guy, I'm, I am, yeah, I'm down to scrap. You know what I mean? Like, right off the teepee, like what we used to say, like, take the chicken right off the teepee and fight him. <laughs> so I fought, I fought Tim Sylvia. I, I lost that fight, but the crowd loved me because, you know what I mean? They was like, what? Who the fuck is this person? You know what I mean? Right. The crowd loved me. Dana White kept in contact with me. Then they might, they made me fight Sean Alvarez. This is when I did the split from um, Grappling Unlimited is when, we, when I fought Eddie Alvarez. I didn't know that um, the Prince wanted to bet with Egan some money because the Prince was good friends with um, Sean Alvarez. I love you, baby. And so, Egan didn't want to bet him because he thought that I was going to lose. I ended up beating Sean Alvarez. You know, I found that out afterwards, and I was like, wow, this guy had this guy was supposed to be training me, and he had no faith in me. I'm out. You know, poof. I, I dug out. I started training. I, I was living in Maui. I was training in Maui for a little while, where Rick is right now. I was training up there for a couple couple years. I had the key to um, Baldwin High School. I used to use the pool and the whole facility, and that's when I fought. Tank Abbott, Tank Abbott, the UFC flew me up to the UFC um, office up there, and I was training downstairs. I was training with Alex Gong like a week before Alex Gong got murdered. Like he was, he was my trainer training for the Tank Abbott fight. That's why my knees were so crisp for that fight. So what what it was is so during that fight, that training camp, Dana White guys about I think it was like two weeks out. They're like, hey. Wes, go back home, go see your family, you know, because you've been training hard. Alex is going to go back to San Francisco, go take care of some business stuff. You guys are going to come back in a week. Okay. Alex went up to San Francisco. Three days later, he gets shot on the street up there. 
which was which was shady. So that way, when my when my fight came out, that's why I had F fourteen on top of my shorts when I fought Tank because that was like that was his logo. That's what he used to put on all his shorts. Is F fourteen was Alex Gong. So I did that in memory form. That's why I was just clipping Tank with those knees on that first fight. And got the big win, and then uh, Orlovsky was next, right? Yeah, I remember that one. And That's those so, crazy so, times, man. Wow. Right? So then with Andre Orlovsky, I was supposed to fight this other fighter. Um, Tim Sylvia tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. They asked me at the weigh-in if I wanted to step up and fight Orlovsky. And me, you know, being Wesley Cabbage Korea, you know, I was like, Fuck yeah, I'm down to fight this guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's just another human being. He bleeds like me. You know, so I took the fight on five minutes notice. Went in there. I mean, I think I'm the hardest. I'm I, I probably hit Andre the hardest with a jab that he's ever felt in his entire life. <laughs> but he still beat me. You know, he caught the angles, you know, they beat me. I I had one more fight left with the UFC, but due to um breaches in contracts, they cut me off the roster off that off that time. Uh, did that one go the distance? No. Um, with that last fight, no, I think it went like um, two rounds or three rounds. Okay. And they stopped it because I got hit behind the ear. I, I dropped, I was rolling back to get up, and the ref stopped it already. Uh, right on. So, so RVD got a question for you. So, you know, you go through the through the WB, you beat, you beat John Cena for the uh, for the world title. Yes. Uh, then you three weeks later, you know, they end up giving it up. Just kind of go through like the emotions and you at that t- that point from the highest level of WB to then three weeks later, you know, they have you drop in the title and this, you know, the, the situation that happened there. Is that all it was? Was three weeks? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, first off, uh, I never thought that that was going to happen as far as like me being the champion. Uh, and it never would have been in my um, in my pathway had I not re and restructured the whole pathway by bringing ECW back. Right. You know, they, I changed the entire playing field. You know, I mean, that was I'm the best showcasing uh, for ECW. Best guy to do that. Otherwise, I'm I'm pretty. I never thought that I would have been, you know, made to the top position. So, so having said that, until it happened, I really, everybody that's a pro wrestler, I doubt there's any exceptions to this. I think everybody is going to, at some point in their career, and probably over and over again, they get promised stuff. We're going to do this and this and this. And then, boom, it doesn't happen. And so if you let yourself get real excited, then, of course, you're going to be very disappointed. After a while, you got to either uh, not give a fuck, which is what I did, or else you got to be really good at continuing to, to fight uh, uh, for that and politicking. And, and those guys that get, they get way ahead. But um, I totally, until... Uh, I think until the finish, took one, two, three, and then I got the championship belt. I don't think that I thought I thought it something still was going to happen during the match. I totally didn't. So um, it was. I was excited, you know, um, as you would imagine, but not like I think most people would because just the way that I was brought into the industry, I had a lot of my fandom stripped from me. Like I remember back in 1990. The very first time that I got to go inside an actual dressing room, it was in a Euclid, Ohio, and the original Sheik, I was one of his boys, you know, he mm-hmm. was wrestling Jerry Lawler there, and I wasn't on the card, but I got to go in the back, and, and Sheik and Sabu told me, uh, and I'm, I'm like 19, I guess, 19 years old, and uh, Sheik and uh, Sabu told me, um, you know, don't, don't say anything to anybody. Uh, unless you're going to introduce yourself and then, you know, shake their hand, tell them your name. Don't say anything else unless they talk to you and don't ask anyone for an autograph. Don't mark out. You're one of the boys. You're not a fan. You know, no, you know, we didn't even have phones back there to take pictures or anything, but, uh, but that's how much has changed. I do shows all the time and all the wrestlers get pictures with our in the dressing room, which is, it's, it's a different time, I guess. But because of that, um, I, I never allowed myself to get real excited like uh, like a fan would. Uh, mm-hmm. I would have enjoyed the career a lot more if I could have remained a mark, if I could have been like, oh, cool, Undertaker's dressing next to me. But, you know, I 
you know, after that, that, that wasn't part of it for me. So even having the championship belt, I think, um, you know, it meant a lot. It meant a lot um, because of my positioning. And, and now I see how, you know, I go down in history and all that and how, how much it's helped me. But at the time, I think I was still so competitive. I probably would have given up the WWE belt and just kept the ECW belt because I stood for that, you know, and that's what I fought for. And that's what got me the win. And um, so um, it, things are going like really well, but I mean, I, I didn't feel, I don't remember feeling, you know, like I was on a, a whole untouchable level. I think I thought of it always as storyline prop could last any, any time, you know, could uh, it could be over. I don't know. Um, and still, even with all that, uh, I got pulled over for speeding and I had uh, 18 grams of marijuana in the car. And uh, because of that bus, I had to drop the WWE championship belt and the ECW championship belt. And I was suspended for 30 days. And um, <laughs> there, it did take a little bit to adjust to that because even with all that conditioning that I've said, I still knew that I dropped the ball you know, and then, uh, and then it was a pretty major fuck up, you know? So I remember really being bummed those days, the last two days when I had to, especially in Philly, uh, because those are my people, ECW crowd. Yeah. Oh yeah. That big show beat me and Paul made the count and the fans were just like, so disappointed. They were like all throwing their cups in the ring and we were getting, yep. it. and I, I remember just that hurt my heart. I was just like, Oh my God. I, I let all these people down, you know, but, uh, but right away I kind of owned it though. I felt like I owned it right away. And I was like, well, fuck it. You know, it's people like me and Michael Phelps and people like that that draw attention to the fact that marijuana doesn't necessarily make you a couch potato. And I looked at it from that point of view. Now, mm -hmm. I, look at, now I look at it this much time later um, as I still don't know how long a championship w title would have ran, uh, but but, I, but that, you know, um, I, I kind of, if anything, I feel mostly uh, bad for dropping the ball on Vince. I was there that night in Philly. We were not happy that you lost. Let's put it that <laughs> way. We were not happy. <laughs> I felt that vibe. Uh, it was, that was really heartbreaking. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, that's, that's, that, that, those are the motions, dude. You know, and then uh, uh, I was so burnt out from being on the road with them and that monotonous schedule uh, at the end of my 30 day suspension, I, uh, I asked Paul if he would ask Vince to give me some more time off. I'm not going to do that. He'll be upset. Hmm. <laughs> Did that happen? Any other questions? There's a lull. I was going to let uh, Rick, uh, I, I was going to let Rick take back over. John, yeah. Okay yep. Here? Yeah. Yep. We're all good. Bro. You froze for a so second, Rick, but so uh, yeah, I was just going to let Rick kind of roll it down. We're also, um, we're streaming live on uh, Hannibal TV also. And uh, there's uh, one guy who's been hiking a lot. Okay. Um, Rob, RVD, by the way, your wife is hot. Mazel tov. I don't know how often you're going to be congratulated in Hebrew for your wife being hot. I think. Uh, Probably, probably, uh, probably my whole life because she ain't going anywhere. We're, uh, that's all. Awesome. Yeah. Good, good it's amazing, amazing. Yeah. My best friends right there, not on the road. So many of the boys have, uh, their, their lives to me backwards. Their, their family's on the road and that's really their best friend who they're closest to. And then at home, they put up a front, and their wife doesn't even know. The wife has no idea who they're married to. They're home watching the kids. They have no idea that their husband's out snorting cocaine and banging stars. And it's just, I see so many people do that. And it, it, always, it always seems to end up the same way, you know. And but, but you know, having said that, I didn't, I didn't go about it at all like that with me, and mine still got fucked up. Uh, but I'm so glad it did. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it is awesome. We have a great bond and there's, uh, my dad told me, don't let anything in between you two. If this is the person you're going to be with for the rest of your life, like, don't, don't go to anyone else and talk about your problems. Cause 
you know, you're, it's you two got each other and that's really all you got. Everything else comes and goes, kids, jobs, money, houses, everything comes and goes. But if you want to, if you really want to stay with that one person and they got, they should be pretty high on your priority list, if not number one. <laughs> yeah. So more good advice from RVD. Yes, I'm full of it. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> you are. I can that you are man. RVD. I love you, baby. <laughs> All right. Well, hey guys, you know, we we've kept you more than an hour. Um I've it's been really cool to see both you guys. I appreciate it. having you on at the same time. John, is there anything that you would like to uh wrap up with in particular? Did you? Nope. nope, all good, Ricky, baby, all good. All right, John. Thank you, thank you, John, for running this. Thank you, Rachel. I know you're there as Thanks, well. Rachel. And uh, Cabbage, RVD, man, it's really been cool seeing both you guys. And yes. I'm sure I speak for a lot of people when I very much appreciate your positive attitudes. Thank you. Right on. Thanks, Cabbage. I do me one hand. <laughs> good to see you guys. All right, Take you guys. Out. Love you guys. Take it easy. So, John Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that.